0: Welcome to another edition of Look Who's Talking, Lively topical chat all about the life of Christchurch, New Malden. I'm Anna Larkin and here on the show this month I have regulars Stephen Kurt. Hello. And Nathan Larkin. Hey there. Plus our special guest for this month, Anita Ferrero. Hi. In this edition of the show, our discussion will include some pretty specialist areas. So we'll be looking at flowers in the church, their role and the skills needed to provide and arrange them. And we'll also be talking about church embroidery and all the issues involved in this. In addition, we'll be looking at the factors that make for really good Bible study. And then finally, we're going to talk about harvest at Christchurch and how that festival can be made meaningful within a suburban church context. So, let's start um, by talking about the role of flowers and flower arranging in church life. Mm -hmm. So, Anita, this is very much your area, and um, and perhaps I'll start by asking how long you've been doing the flowers at Christchurch, and how long have you been in charge of it? Uh, I think
1: since about the year 2000, uh, maybe before, no, it's probably before then, um, I was under the guidance of Grace Birmingham, and she taught me Ah. everything I know. okay. Yep. And then when she left, she sort of handed it over. Right. So I've been well, doing it ever since.
0: That was going to be one of my questions, actually. <laughs> so d- did you before you started doing flowers at church, did you have any experience? Have you ever had training in it or have you ever had a job in it? Or was church the first time you started?
1: I think church was the first time. I used to go and see these extraordinary flower arrangements at the Chelsea Flower Show and think, hmm, that's really good, and then, hmm, maybe it's not so good. And then Grace had a little uh, course for ladies in the church. Oh, I oh. didn't realize this. Yeah, and she talked about seven or eight of us to do cha- church flower arranging, um, and I'm the only one who ever came through fully qualified. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
2: was it hard? Oh, did people drop by the wayside then? Was no, it a they bit all. Like the, was yeah, it like the *Apprentice*, X Factor? You have <laughs> to vote <laughs> someone
0: off every week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, six weeks <laughs> so that was the last
2: <laughs> one. We could do this, couldn't we? This an apprentice would, with you, you would you think yeah. about
0: doing a flower course? I would love to learn to arrange flowers. I'm terrible at it.
1: I would love to do a course actually with people. And I've thought about it if I could squeeze it in somewhere. But as soon as you say flower arranging, um, the the younger ladies of the church hold their hands up in her horror and say oh no I'm not good with flowers but you don't actually have to be good with flowers if you can put a bunch of flowers in a jar of water even a milk bottle you have arranged a flower <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, but you can arrange them badly presumably
1: uh, you can arrange them not so good mm. um, there is a way of, of even with a, a cheap old bunch of flowers from um, the garage you can actually make them look nicer yeah.
2: do, do people who are good at it tend to be the same sort of people who are good at art
1: And they have an eye, I think, for Mm. it. They do have an eye. And uh, and you do learn about the shapes and doing pyramids and and doing curls and things. But you don't have to do anything as complicated as that. As I said, you need a, a vase and some water and some flowers. Not too dead. (laughs) and and you're away.
0: And do you, when you do it at home, do you ever, I know I've seen sometimes when you're doing the flowers in church, you you bring in things that you've got from your garden as well, like especially greenery and things. Do you do that at home? Do you have flowers at home often?
1: Yeah, I do. I used to arrange flowers artistically at home um, and then one day I had this jar on the mantelpiece and it had some twigs in it, which were artistic. And I think I had a Bible study group around. They were all staring at this for a long time and in the end they said, Are they dead or is it art (laughs) 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 and and after that i just i tend just to use a vase and things um i've got a lot of foliage in the in the garden and i use that um i have been known to sneak up late in the evening and nick flowery not flower stuff Leaves and stuff from, the, uh, from where I live. Oh, and I thought you said <laughs> F- people's Gardens. So well, haven't, haven't you well read Rapunzel? <laughs> <laughs> I have been caught. I was caught by somebody once, and she said, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm just getting this polish." You can't do that. She said, are you the person who came last week and stole all my sunflowers? Oh, no. <laughs> oh
2: and were you the person?
1: No, this time, <laughs> no, 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 no. And I looked at myself when I got home, and I was wearing these old jeans, and I had this hoodie. And I thought, wow, I must look really... He dressed like a thug to I go steal
0: d- people's foliage. <laughs> I did. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was
1: actually leaning over a wall, so I hadn't really stolen it. But it was just a bit of leaf that I needed. And so I snipped it, and then I was caught red-handed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just yeah. loving the image of
3: you wandering about the streets with a hoodie up uh, and a sharp <laughs> implement in your hand. <laughs> <Wow. laughs>
0: um, do you have a favourite flower? Um, you uh, must know a lot yeah. about flowers. Do you, have you got a favourite one?
1: I do love daffodils. Uh, But they're not easy to arrange. Mm. And I suppose the easy ones to arrange are things like roses and things. Daffodils
2: are arguably the biggest flower moment we have at Christchurch in the whole year, is Mothering Sunday, Yeah, Yeah. when we give daffodils out. And they are, you know, a few years ago we thought, do we... um, you know, phasing Belgium chocolates being given instead, but there was an outcry and people wanted to keep their daffodils. People so wanted the drippy daffodils. They, they did want well the daffodils. They do kind
0: of represent Mother's Day, don't they? And I think yeah. it, I think flowers can often the do sa- that in much the
2: same way as chocolate represents Father's Day. Oh, seems
0: <laughs> 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 And I know that in um, in literature, flowers are often used to to symbolise um, particular things, but I have never known enough about flowers mm. to know that. But for instance, in in Hamlet. When Ophelia goes a bit mad mm. um, and starts singing about flowers, the flowers mm. that she mentions are very, very significant. But I would have to look all of that up. Wow! But Anita, do you know um, much about the the? There is a meant to be a strong link between theology and some flowers as well. Yeah, and yeah. D- can you tell us much about mm. that? Yeah, actually, I was I was reading that talk, that speech from Ophelia this morning. Oh no <laughs> <laughs> <Just> Sort Just <of laughs> brushing up on it.
1: Yeah, so in the olden days, of course, people could not read or write. And in the church, symbols were very important. And particularly in the windows, they would have um, the symbols, the, the white lily for um, Mary and for purity. Um, you get the, the In our church, you've got the grapevines um, up in, in the window for I am the vine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got that. And ivy is used for, for something of eternal and everlasting uh, symbol and and people in church would have looked at these things and remembered them the whole idea of language of flowers became very popular in in victorian times and um there there were various flowers like like the rosemary for for um um, faithfulness and that Mm. i sometimes put rosemary into wedding flowers that's rather nice uh, and the Do you ivy? find the
2: marriage does better if there's a bit of rosemary oh, in the flowers? My brother's <laughs> wedding had
1: rosemary <laughs> in the flowers, actually. <laughs> it's only last year, but <laughs> they still it last year. <laughs> It's all down to the rosemary. <laughs> you have to be careful, though, because um, in some cultures, carnations are, are bad, and carnations ah. give bad vibes. And I was looking up carnations today, and, and the carnations are a real downer. Really? And, no. and you don't... Mix white and red carnations. You don't ever take a bouquet of flowers of white and red carnations into hospital because that that is a sort of foretaste of death. And oh and
0: dear, and, dear all comes. Uh,
2: and so that's. Well, I thought okay. lilies were the thing associated with death,
1: but uh, lilies too. Well, lilies were purity, of course, for, right. m- for Mary, um, yep. uh, but not yellow lilies. They're they're a bit flippant. They they uh, are gaiety and, and, right. and a bit sort of. Know, uh, and then you 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 don't usually bring into church. So it's very bad luck apparently, and you. U is for sorrow. So if you've got U you, um, in funerals, oh it, it really? symbolizes sorrow. Because no isn't idea. the John
2: Betjeman poem, doesn't that mention U branches or something? Mm, in can't or something? No, no. I can't remember. Christmas or something? I can't remember.
1: And white roses mean, um, I love you. So more than the red roses, we give huh. someone a, a white rose. Yeah, there was a
2: particular code, wasn't there, in Victorian yeah, times about right, flowers yeah. you'd send to a woman saying, you know. Oh, it's all over. Or you know, I had no mm. idea.
3: I do buy flowers for Anna every now and then, but uh, not just when I'm in I'm trouble. I'm going to start looking up now. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah. Just in case you're it's trying it's to tell me whatever's
1: something. in the my shop. My mum would know I'd so. broken
2: a window playing cricket in <laughs> the garden <laughs> <laughs> if there were flowers waiting for her when she got home.
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think you if your husband does come home with a big bouquet, you sometimes think, mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Um, and you are part of a team that does flowers at Christchurch, aren't you? So who are the other people who help you? Yes, it
1: used to be quite a big team actually, and uh, the people have retired or moved away and so on. So my stalwarts are um, Jill Mascara, mm-hmm. helps a lot, oh. and, and Audrey Thori was great with her flowers, and she did very nobly come when she wasn't feeling. Up to it and sit and arrange flowers. Um, she's having a respite at the moment, mm. and also Pam Grace. She was she was very good and um, used to help a lot. I'm a bit of a slave driver. That's a trouble because when <laughs> you when you have a big event, um, well, like th- the last uh, the wedding um, Helen Perrins. Uh, Daughter got married. I think we did about twenty or twenty-five flower arrangements. That they did look magnificent.
2: They did. It is and they
0: smelled lovely as well in the church.
2: Well, I was yeah. I mean, this issue. um, You know, I've assumed that flowers are um, partly visual and partly smell-based. You know, that they do make the place smell nice. Or, um, but it's more visual
3: for it's you it's more
1: visual yeah you have to be careful with the, the smell
2: for people
3: uh, like me yeah, <laughs> with <yeah>. s- sensitive <laughs> noses
1: yeah lilies uh, uh, also can affect people um and they can mm. become allergic to it and hyacinths as well hyacinths are p- beautiful in the garden but when you bring them in they've got a rather so overpowering not they so are pleasant very strong actually, yes they yeah. are so i try to keep off the smelly ones if possible mm. uh, freezers are good they're good they're mm. okay and stock stock is lovely in church
3: mm. Mm.
0: At our wedding, we had um, rose and eucalyptus, and eucalyptus you don't tend to smell very often. And every time I smell it now, it makes it makes me think of our wedding day. I mean, smells smell massively
2: brings back memory, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. The I mean, flowers are something I grew up with. My grandmother uh, was a great flower arranger at St John's Deptford, which was her church. Um, But I grew up with flowers just around the church and sort of taking them for granted, really. But where I've really, as well as sort of as I've grown older, looking at the arrangements more and appreciating them, the other thing that we've seen is that the massive effort that's made to put flowers on the table at Grapevine, our lunch club, Mm. and when we do the night shelter and Simply Christian course makes a massive difference. And when I did the dad's parenting course, this was so ingrained in me. That I still put out flowers <laughs> on the tables, <laughs> you know, because I was determined that it wouldn't be just barren and just tins of you know, beer and, and, teams teams of beer and yeah. stuff. Yeah. I don't know; the, none of the dads commented on it, but I think it showed the impact it had on me of mm. appreciating the flowers. That how mm. much that communicates care. And when people came in to Grapevine or to S- the Simply Christian Course or before that Alpha, people would be very touched that. Um, you know, a flower decoration was placed on a table. It would communicate well, yeah, a I great think, deal to. I think them. it's obvious
3: that um, it didn't just magically appear. So yeah. therefore, someone has put Someone's some time yeah. into yeah. it and mm-hmm. yeah. some yeah. thought into it and some some care. As and you of course, say, it's massively,
2: it's also massively Christian because it is a an aspect of care for creation. And if we believe that we were made in the image of God, in order to care for God's creation, then every time people arrange flowers and they try to particularly draw out their beauty and use them to particularly enhance the worship of God, then actually what they're doing is deeply, deeply theological. Yeah.
0: So um, I, I've heard that there are certain times of the year when traditionally you're not supposed to have flowers in mm. church deliberately. Lent. Is it Lent and, yep. Lent. Good, fri- and Good Friday Lent. as well? Lent. You're that, not supposed that is in Lent. Well, <laughs> is <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> No, Lent
1: is a time when you don't have flowers in church, and I have tried to um, um, bring this tradition in, but everybody says, I like my flowers. Some and churches I'm are very, very strict very on it, strict and if you have
2: it. a wedding during Lent, you're not allowed to have flowers. No, that's on. right. Even yeah. for a wedding? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. No, no, not for a wedding. Not a, well, no. So not there's Christ nothing church,
0: until Easter Sunday, then? Is that how well, it that, works? The idea hmm. is
2: delayed gratification, and, and it has some logic to it. The idea is that um, during the period of Lent, um, It's a period of sort of fasting Mm. of all sorts Mm. of things. And actually, you then really appreciate those flowers when they appear on Easter morning. So there's a lot of logic going for it. Yeah. And and perhaps in our culture, there is far more uh, unwillingness to wait for anything. Mm. Um, You know, that everything should be immediately accessible, instant gratification. Which leads um, on
3: to what I was thinking is Christmas is the ultimate time of like no one uh, uh, appreciating delayed gratification or anything yeah, like that. Chris- but Christmas is my favourite time. Yeah, do we, we, we don't and, uh, really
2: have any Advent anymore. No. Really, it's sort of just. Doing Christmas earlier, isn't it? Yeah, really it either? seems that, well, we're already yeah. starting
3: to see some Christmas things creep into shops yeah. already, which yeah. is outrageous. But, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, are you involved with the tree that grows up at Christmas? Oh, yeah. is like a big part of it.
1: Yeah, I'm afraid we are involved in the tree. And Graham. Yeah. Yeah. And Graham. And, yep. and, and, um, and Roger Perrin as well. He's a, he's a great, great one to helps so oh, i up do the love tree. christmas I at love church that when the christmas tree comes
3: in yeah,
2: yeah. is that yeah. your is that your favorite time of year decorating the church it's Anita? a great
1: time um it, it's great the tree is tricky because of the christmas lights and i do remember one occasion when we put the tree up and we've got all the lights out and they wouldn't work oh yeah. and i was absolutely distraught about this oh mm. not again you're know, gonna have to fiddle around and try so it was um so Stuart Daniel was passing at the time. I said, Stuart, the lights are not working. I said, oh, please, can you come and pray over the lights? And he said, oh, no, 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 no. no I've, never <laughs> I've never found that praying over the lights ever again." <laughs> <ever laughs> <ever. laughs>
2: oh, I thought you were going to say you prayed over them, and they came on. <laughs> <laughs> he said, let there be light or something. No, no such thing. Right. Right. So no.
0: what did you do? Did you have to we just had to have go a tree b- with no lights?
1: We <laughs> sent, I uh, was it at the time, I, um, it was, it was Graham, um, Graham Mitch, we sent him out, for some lights and he came back with some lights mm. and then his wife and said these are the wrong sort of lights no you just go go off again so he had to go out and get another lot oh, of really? lights and oh. I think after about three attempts of at getting lights we actually got oh lights nice. for so this, this was <laughs> quite a while ago then yeah, <laughs> yeah wow. this was some time ago yeah, yeah. but you yeah,
3: know yeah. it's a huge job and it it's, it could easily you know people mm. could come in appreciate the place looks great but it's a bit like the elves in the shoemaker mm. or something mm. You know, don't realise how much you know, people do well
2: on. you know I find that you know it's those of us who are regulars that I think can easily Mm. Take it for granted. What I find is when people come into the church for the first time, they really do appreciate yeah. Um, yeah. Mm. the flowers.
1: Yeah, I like to have a sort of wow factor. So I don't. L- I like. I do have to put them up gradually because because uh, we do have the school carol yeah. services. Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, but sometimes I like to have the wow factor. So you come in on the carol yep. of night and they're all there. Yep. And it's oh yes. Yeah, so wow. I was going to wow. ask. Yeah. Do you
0: do the candles as well? Yes, for we do. Yeah.
1: Yes, that's that is also another nightmare because I think a couple of times they've set lights to things. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs>
2: Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's great.
0: Um, well, if, uh, if we move on now, um, Anita, I want to ask you about church embroidery. Um, yeah. Now, what is it? Because until I was told that you did it, I didn't know it was even a thing.
1: Yeah, it's called Ecclesiastical Embroidery. It mm. has been going on since, I think it's Exodus chapter 27. I think it's right. Oh, actually so maybe it's for a little m- while. <laughs> yeah, for a little while, yeah. Um, <laughs> when, um, when I think was his name, Oholab, uh, 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 I think yep. his name, was... Um, Commanded by Moses to do the weavings and the borders and the embroideries for the tabernacle, oh. and I thought, wow! Yeah. And so it's a bloke's th- job it in those days. It, uh, <laughs> interestingly, it's all the wa- all along it has been a man's uh, profession. Yeah, and mm. um, for, for women, yes, a bit, and um, they uh, they did the weaving and that, and obviously uh, um, that's part of a woman's sort of domestic things. But mm. the uh, a lot of the embroidery was done by men. Um, it was done by men. Um, in, in England, we were the f- most famous embroiderers um, in the continent and people from across across Europe came and bought the embroideries made by the English. It was oh, called Opus Anglicanum, the work of the English. Ooh. Yeah, and there's a big exhibition actually about to come up um, about it and I'm, I'm going to one of their lectures soon. Even the Pope was impressed by English embroiderers. And so it was big business for about 80, 90 years and then the Black Death came and of course all the artisans died. And so that, that tradition was lost for a long time. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then it uh, it came back, um, but it's been up and down since then. So church embroidery, it was all lost during the dissolution of the monasteries, mm. and then Cromwell didn't like any of it, and so it went then. And then the dear old Oxford movement yep. came along in the 19th century and said, we want all these robes back, and so, Embroidery started again, um, and it's been going so on. So, what, right from
2: 1833 onwards? Yeah. Where the
3: option the option movement. Yeah, 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 And it's still done by hand, even though there's these newfangled machines, you just put a digital <laughs> image in and off it goes. Well, you
1: can do either or. Um, we do ours by hand. Yeah. Uh, yes, wow. and it, it's all done specifically for the cathedral, for St Paul's Cathedral. We have our own silks woven for us, wow. and we have our own designs made, and, um, and we've got quite a lot of work on so how many of you are there how many people on the on the team that does Um, it my group i've got about 14 okay and we all meet in the belfry the bell tower of st paul's cathedral
0: so So all the embroidery is actually done there you don't bring it home no no no
1: it's done in the cathedral it's done in the belfry Wow. Um, we have a, have a chamber up there, and above us in the next chamber up there's about 13 tonne of bells. <laughs> 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 and well, <so> yeah, when <laughs> they go off, that must... Oh, it's fantastic when they mm. go off. It's a real, real humdinger. I don't know yeah. if I'd want to be holding a needle. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, that's very exciting. So we, we, we meet twice a week, and we embroider, and we talk, and we eat chocolate. So we're not allowed to bring anything liquid into the workroom uh. because that will make a mess we'll also chocolate
2: would be a bit dangerous wouldn't
1: it uh it if you've yeah. just
2: been <laughs> doing some priceless <laughs> bit of embroidery yeah. and there's chocolate marks all over it.
1: yeah no, we, we're <laughs> very careful with our chocolate but you do <laughs> you need some perks and and then we also do all sorts of jobs within the cathedral for other people and uh, not only do we embroider we also do quite a lot of work for maintenance you know if they come ah. in and they want a little job done you know they've uh, they want their trousers um Turned up, or they're going, they're g- <laughs> they g- going clubbing, and they've they've torn their shirt or their jacket. You know, can you just do this for me? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, now I feel
2: bad because, Anita, <laughs> I've been your vicar for nine years now, and I've been here for thirteen, and you've never, you know, embroidered any of my robes. Partly because I don't wear them. No, like,
1: I <laughs> <laughs> I have offered. Have I have done something for Helen Hancock.
0: Oh. I've embroidered oh. for her. Yeah. What her stole? Yes, a ah. stole. I did a stole for well, her. You just haven't asked. No. no. Well, yeah, I. The trouble is, I'm I haven't got a church, stole. <laughs> <laughs>
3: but in the church, there are the um, things on the pulpit. Yeah, there are things like that. And I understand that you you did them. embroidered yeah. them. Yeah. yeah. No,
1: did
2: you? Well, we yeah. have You see, the thing is that um, within the conservative evangelical tradition that Christchurch has come out of, um, or developed within, I should say. Um, there was great suspicion of all these things. Yeah, um, and, you know, it was regarded as dangerously papist. I mean, you know, presumably in Northern Ireland, Nathan, this would have been similar. Well, it was interesting
3: that in, in talking about flowers and, and then I assume yeah. stained glass windows and all of these things being visual, I, I grew up in a church where it was white walls mm. and, and yep. wood yeah. and nothing else because yeah. so it was all too dangerous. Yeah, and Christchurch
2: so. would have had, for a lot of its time, a great suspicion of any of this. But I think... All those ancient sort of um, dividing lines are really essentially falling down now, um, partly because evangelicals have a lot more awareness of the goodness of God's creation and the importance of celebrating it and reflecting it. and. Uh, and those things not being seen as inherently idolatrous mm.
1: it's yeah. a difficult one actually because we did have a big exhibition of our first um our first collection <laughs> at uh to uh, st martin's at central st martin's mm. when we did our first lot of robes for the cathedral for their 300th anniversary and i asked a friend of mine to come and see and she's a very um uh conservative evangelical and uh, she looked at me with absolute horror as if i had made some Mm -hmm. improper suggestions. Oh, no, I couldn't possibly come to that. Mm -hmm. Um, um, My ladies are mainly from the slightly higher church tradition Mm, of embroidery, And I had to learn a whole new vocabulary of what all these robes were. And um, although I think they're probably a bit overdone, um, in a cathedral context, Mm. it works beautifully. Because cathedral, not only, it, it is an act of worship, obviously, but it's also a theatrical experience Hmm. and if you go up the aisle dressed in a silken robe covered in crystals and embroidery and that uh, it it is sort of diminished by the grandeur of St Paul's Cathedral and so it does not seem over the top. Mm. Yeah. And uh, to see uh, the the bishop going up with the mitre that you've embroidered mm. uh, on Christmas so you've had Eve... So
2: you've had to do a new one for Richard Charters, haven't you? We
1: did uh, a two. We did one for him uh, in Is his the head shrinking or is that right? Is well, you see, he's losing his hair. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, his, his mitre was getting a bit big and kept slipping down over his eyebrows. So I sent lots of <laughs> messages to his secretary saying, can I have his head Measurement so I can alter. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they never came, they never came. So, anyway, yeah, I'd better alter it anyway because it's ridiculous. he it keeps yeah. falling down. So, I altered it. And then he had a service, and in the middle of a service, you, you take the mitre off, I think, for reading yeah. the gospel. He took his mitre off, and there was a really dark red ring round his forehead. <laughs> 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 and I thought, oh. it's serves right for well not telling me. He's quite an
2: irascible <laughs> guy, really. Anyway. He's it Prince Charles's <laughs> <his> favourite bishop, <laughs> so enough said. Yeah, well yeah. Oh yeah.
1: It, but he he was well pleased, actually, with the fit. He, he thought it was absolutely fine, but, oh but he is getting good. bolder and bolder, so I think yeah. the mitre's. He, he might have to take it in again. Yeah. Think well, he he's leaving in February, so we'll have a new. Oh, you see? We'll have a new Bishop of London. We may even have a woman Bishop of London, Mm. Uh, which will be even more difficult because they're much smaller than the men. And I'm already making a petite... Um, collection for the lady priests in the cathedrals there oh. <laughs> oh. Right.
0: and uh, rumour has it you have done embroidery for royalty as well
1: yes we we have, we've done various things we've made we've made comfy cushions for the Prince of Wales and his, his wife and so uh, this is just for when they visit
3: St Paul well, so is his piles or
1: I, I don't know <laughs> right. so <he>, they both <laughs> had bad backs <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we do not inquire about <laughs> the, the physical <laughs> and uh, we also do the uh, the finger cushion for the Queen. The Queen, when oh. she comes to the cathedral, she has her, her her own prayer desk, and on it is a lovely red cushion with tassels and things. And it was getting a bit tatty, so we. Uh, um, we restored the the cushion and so that she could have a nice silk cushion with lovely tassels and when it's not in use it's put into a box and it's put into store with the label royal fingers written on <laughs> the side of it amazing. so so <laughs>
3: what's a finger cushion i don't think i've ever come across well, one i before.
1: suppose it's well, you rest your hand on on the um, on it when you're when you're sitting there and, and you can probably put your head forward and fall asleep on it as well. <laughs> 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 it has not been known but yeah, it's where you rest your prayer book. Okay. If you're the queen oh. and the, and you you hand. I've known that Nathan. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> yeah, I'll,
0: I'll be putting one on my Christmas list. Yeah. Yeah. I know, we need
1: finger cushions <laughs> yeah. here while we record this. Yeah. And we've also um three of us were also very involved in making the, the wedding dress for um um Kath, um yes, Kate Middleton. Oh wow. When she got when she got married we we were Well,
2: you did a better job than um what the Emmanuels did with um oh, die, didn't they? Because yeah. her dress was all creased and Yes, you know. no, this was a very beautiful mm.
1: dress. Well, it was a lovely dress. Yes, it, it was, yeah. yes, and it was very top secret. So which bit mm. did you do then? Well, I helped on the lace on the sleeves. All right. And they said, oh, that's my lace on that sleeve there. Yes, ah. yes. I was yes. going to say, the lace must be the hardest bit to work with, <laughs> I don't and, and it was very top secret. Nobody could know what we were doing. We had a code for what we were doing, um, and we worked. Did secret. it have a code name? Yes. Like
0: all the royal family do? <laughs> yes, wow. it had a code
1: name, and no, even security <laughs> at Hampton Court, where we made it, didn't know what we were doing. And they kept asking us things, trying to prize out the <laughs> secrets. So did, well. you have, did you have a cover story? Mm, uh, yes, we had a cover story completely. Mm. What we did you tell them you we were w- doing? Uh, conserva- we've got this big conservation thing coming and we've got to um, you know, do this. And, and mm. they been mm. asking, how much are you paid to do it?
0: I thought, well, a cheek. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I charge my
1: usual fee. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fascinating. Yeah. That's yeah.
0: Yeah. Um So, uh, uh, last question on this then. You, with the flower arranging, you, you said you kind of you did a six-week course on it at church i'm guessing that's not how you came to embroidery so how did you learn embroidery in the first place what wh- how how long have you been doing it and did have you had proper training or did you teach yourself
1: uh well my mother was an embroiderer and i've done it on and off for a long time but i did spend three years at the royal school of needlework in oh hampton wow. Court. Three years learning all the new all the techniques all the traditional techniques mm. um, Particularly these ecclesiastical embroidery, which is gold work and silk work and things like that So mm. I spent three years there and then I was asked to join a, a, a new team at St. Paul's Cathedral um, And then like one does actually I took over the new team and uh, been keeping them going ever since It's our 10th anniversary this year and we've got special menf- mention of the special service um, uh, just last week, actually, and, oh. the, mm. and the Canon Chancellor s- particularly mentioned us um, and thanked us for all the work that we're doing. Well, that's yeah. incredible. Doing that,
3: yeah. Yeah. So with all of those traditional techniques and all I mentioned, the digital thing earlier, uh, wh- what do you make of those like big machines that will just kind of stitch oh. it? I, I assume they don't come close to the detail. Really? No,
1: we did actually have a machine that did the labelling for us and the machine eventually blew up. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, we use the computer for our design sometimes. I had Graham on the computer early last week, so about 12 o'clock actually um, sizing up a design for me to get it absolutely accurate c- so that I can then take it to my workroom and prick and pounce it. Pricking and pouncing is a very ancient technique for transferring oh. a pattern onto a fabric or a pattern onto a wall for a fresco. Wow. So all our techniques go back hundreds if not so thousands how of how years. So how do you do that? Oh, you, you trace your design and then you prick it with a little needle so it's got lots and lots of little holes. And then you lay it on your silk and then you get a mixture of cuttlefish and charcoal in a powder and you rub it in and it comes through the holes. And yeah. you've got the, the oh, like And then you guide. paint it. Um, I was at home one day and I had my pestle and mortar and I had cuttlefish in it and I was grinding it down. And my son James came home and he looked he said, you're not expecting that uh, to eat that for supper, right? <laughs> <laughs> so that is how it's been done for, for centuries, actually. Wow. Wow. Mm.
0: That's amazing. Well, we're going to move on now, and this will feel, for me, a bit boring after <laughs> talking about <laughs> <laughs> embroidery for royalty. Um, but we're going to move on to talk, to talk about what makes a good Bible study. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I cannot uh, believe uh, you uh, said that. Uh, yeah. Um, so um, we have got lots of different Bible study groups at Christchurch. Some of them meet in people's houses in the evenings, like home groups. And then there are some during the day at the various groups. Um, and there is a huge variety of different approaches to studying the Bible. Um, but Nathan, if I start with you first, mm-hmm. what do you think makes for a good and effective Bible study?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the first thing that comes to mind for me is, is the youth work context that I often am preparing that in and, and that then does make me think that the, the most important thing for me is to know who it is that you're leading in a Bible study. You know, if you if you just have a, a book and you bring it in and you decide, right, well, we're all going to just do this and, and pay no attention to the context or where people are in their faith journey, um, then that's a sort of recipe for disaster. So so for me, the most important thing is to grasp who is in the group studying and and also another thing they try to do with young people is to have the the topics as much as possible and the areas that we're going to focus on led by them you know so mm-hmm. rather than us preparing a load of stuff that we think is good for them to know um i'd much rather which we just did with going deeper actually a bible study group with teenagers and we spent a whole session looking at questions that they had Mm. um so that we're actually looking for answers to questions they actually have rather than telling them the questions that they should have Mm. so so some of those are are the core things for me but then yeah i i really enjoy preparing bible studies because for me you know i I, as much as possible don't want it to be well i've read i've decided this is what the passage means and i'm going to tell you um I, i like it to be much more interactive than that i i want us to learn from each other and to mm. grow together so the preparation stage for me is great because I love to read really widely mm. stuff mm. I agree with stuff that I don't agree with you know just mm. to, to have a bit of an understanding of the whole topic from different angles mm. throw that into the mix and, and see what people think yeah
1: mm, I think enthusiasm is very important yeah, yeah. I think you so, no, you can approach your oh John John chapter 1, we've done that before, okay, we're doing it, uh, and that can reflect on the people, but mm. I think if you're really enthusiastic about yep. it. We, in, in um, Connections, I, I've been doing, my Bible... A group of pretty hardcore Bible studies. You know, we've <laughs> we've done all sorts of we've done Revelation and and we've done Hebrews and we've done goodness knows what. <laughs> we we've we've done a bit of Ezekiel. We had a little rest from Ezekiel, mm. but I was so enthusiastic about Ezekiel mm. from the beginning, and I think you've got to convey that to everybody. saying yeah. you know, it's going to be hard, girls, but it's yep. very interesting. And I think you've really got to be enjoying what you're doing, actually. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: and it's interesting the sort of the balance between those two responses you've made because making it interactive and making it grounded in the people who are there but leading it strongly and with enthusiasm you know are things that could be in tension with one another but actually can can go together yeah no definitely Um, we have the interesting experience at Grapevine Extra of doing Bible study with people largely from a non-book culture yeah and doing it largely with pictures um, which is fascinating Um, and because we've got the projector in the lounge we can put pictures of Bible stories, you know, um, on the wall, project them onto the wall. And we still, you know, read the Bible, and but, but it's heavily helped by facial uh, mm. images. And it's fascinating uh, the power that pictures have, particularly when they're projected on a large scale, where people can look at them and how's that speaking to them about, say, a picture, a painting of the parable of the lost son. What do they see in it? You know, what does the, the way that the father is racing out towards the son convey to them about God's love and so on? Um, And one of the things I particularly remember from Grapevine Extra was when we did the story of Jesus healing the man with leprosy. And um, one of the people at Grapevine, a guy called Paul, um, I'd said at the start about leprosy being, I think I took a leprosy face mask with me that I used in assembly. And I got them to have a discussion about whether the worst thing about leprosy would be the physical effects of the uh, disease or the social effects. Of isolation, mm. and we had quite an interesting discussion about which would which would be worse. But then we read the story, and at the end of the story, Jesus heals the the man with leprosy, and he is able to re-enter the community. But because of the um, the miracle that Jesus has done, um, Jesus is surrounded by people, and they can no longer stay in. He has to go out yeah. and stay in um, uh, lonely places. And this guy, at grapevine extra, said, "Isn't it amazing the way that they've swapped around?" places and i'd never occurred to me at all having read this story numerous times but i was absolutely sure that he was right and that's Mm, what mark was wanting to convey Mm. and it was a really powerful example of the way that in bible study the person leading it can learn from the person who's there and you know really dynamic mm, example mm, of it mm.
1: Mm. yeah i think it's important also that they have confidence in their answers Because I've sometimes noticed with perhaps a new person in the group, they they answer you and then they say, is that the right answer? And I've said, no, no, we're not after right answers here. I said, no, we just want you to express how you're feeling, what you think of this. And, you know, just speak up as you want to and let them have confidence. And it may, in one's back of one's mind, supposedly be the wrong answer, but it's mm. not necessarily. It's the person has said, well, this is how I feel about this yeah. passage. Yeah. And mm. I think that's important that they are free to say that.
3: That's something that I actually find I, I battle against a huge amount. I think the education system kind of so early on gets them you know, green ticks or red axes um, and, yeah, yeah. um, and trying to teach young people that you don't need to only put your hand up when you have the right answer or what you think I want to hear. Mm. Yeah. But I am genuinely interested in what you th- make of this and try and yep. grow that confidence and coax out of them the willingness to in- engage with a passage and to, to let us know what they're yep. thinking, whether yeah. it be right or wrong. Or I think
2: getting people to use their imagination, in, in particularly because the Bible is so much narrative, um, perhaps this is a slightly more recent approach to doing bible study but where you get people to imaginatively re-engage with what's going on in the story how they would feel to be a participant within it Mm. um and usually getting people to i find think about some sort of issue before we then go to the bible and have a look at it Uh, something that gets people's minds working gets a response out of them how they see a particular issue then the Bible can often be seen to really powerfully speak in mm. to that yeah. issue. You yeah. know, if you give people a set of questions which I've done about anxiety or or whatever it might be, uh, and people then honestly open up about how they experience whatever it is, uh, and then you read a Bible passage, it can it can often speak a lot more powerfully. Yeah, it's mm-hmm.
3: that sort of inhabiting Scripture, you know, yeah. where you get them to to live it out or to put themselves into the position of yeah. the. the Author or the uh, narrator or whoever it
2: is in the story. Yeah. I think, though, that you know Bible study is more and more difficult because there's less and less biblical literacy. So, yeah. um, what might have been a lot easier 30, 40 years ago. I think it's a lot more challenging now. Mm,
3: yeah, Even the thinking. language we use and the vocabulary yeah. we use yeah. when yeah. doing yeah. it—you know—I y- y- find you that I make y- assumptions y- all the y- time.
1: You have to be careful because there is an evangelical vocabulary, and yeah. you—you'll oh, yeah. no. yeah. oh, oh, mention. I like to call I it Christianese. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> right. Oh, You'll mention something. Oh, you say, "Oh, that time when Elisha did blah 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 blah," and someone says, "Who is Elisha?" And you say, "Yeah, I oh, know. Yeah, we've got to get back to." The uh, yeah. To the beginning and and uh, do, yes, yeah. and not throw things in of your knowledge so yep. much. No, yep. you have to be careful with that. In fact, I
3: think that can be Bible study at its at its worst. I have yeah. been parts <laughs> of Bible study groups where they turn into a Christian competition for who's the most pious or who's the, <laughs> who's the <laughs> most knowledgeable. You end up, and, up feeling like
0: everything's just over your head. <laughs> <and> you, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, frantically yeah. trying to think of something that you can. But I mean, think. I really
3: hope that that we're cultivating. Bible study groups here that that's not even a remote chance of mm. happening. You know, it's a it, it's a it's a dreadful example, really, to, to have people feeling inadequate mm. or insecure about um, yep. where they're starting from. And
0: yeah. that's one of the things I've really appreciated about being part of a home group. So I'm sure in, in every Bible study group or group that meets together regularly, even if people don't start out as friends, they very quickly become friends. And if you regularly meet with the same people, then you no longer feel a bit awkward if there's something that you don't, you don't know or um, you don't feel embarrassed to ask questions or uh, particularly questions that you think might be obvious to other people or might seem silly. Um, and that's one of, the, one of the big benefits I've found in, in joining a home group is being having a regular slot each week where we do sit down and study the Bible because I, um, I don't, I'm not very good at studying the Bible on my own. Um, and I, uh, the, the three of you are very used to that and very used to preparing Bible studies as well but speaking as somebody who is on the receiving end of that um, it's it's hugely helpful and um, and really beneficial and um, if anybody is listening who isn't part of a home group then I'd really encourage you to to join one but my next question is um, do you think that Bible studies always have to be exactly that studying the Bible or do you think there is ever benefit in studying um a different book or i know um some there's a connection group that sometimes will do a dvd series where it's uh, you know it's all still about the bible but do you think that there are other tools that can be used within bible study groups or do you feel it's best to literally just stick to the bible and not look elsewhere
1: i think we should use every aid we possibly can Mm. actually Mm. either dvds or film or or a current book Mm. possibly and 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 things I- even secular writings that might bring an issue in mm. um that that can be bible related yes i don't yeah. think we should be so completely I mean, narrow
3: like even it's, a, it's a maybe a little bit of a stretch but th- things like cinema club is not a million mm. miles away from yeah. a bible study group yeah, yeah. in that or well not so it's reflecting on it in the mm. yeah, it's a lot of people yeah reflective group together where we do try to um, apply our yeah. faith to the questions and ask the questions um, I think it's essential. It I mean, I'd, 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 I'd want
2: to go even further than saying it's just a helpful way of doing it. To say I think it's actually pretty essential. Um, Bible study can, if it's done in the wrong way, be incredibly undynamic. Um, and it's often when we try to uh, understand what the Bible is saying through other lenses yeah. um, that actually I think we realize how, r- how radical the Bible is. Um, and, you know, having to come up with a biblical response to uh, an engaging film or a film that's making sort of quite challenging or strong points, which may be thoroughly positive ones, um, I think makes us work harder theologically mm. than when we're simply working through a book in the Bible um,
3: you're less likely to just box off um, yeah. separate compartments yeah. of life. You know, here, yeah. well, this mm. is where films live, and yeah. this is where yeah. Um, yeah. work is, and and Bible is this kind of yeah. separate thing yeah. over there. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. You had to be careful in Bible studies though with the red herrings. I think. Yeah. yeah. I, I do have. Um, I know. Of one or two of my members have been quite keen on talking about their cats. And <laughs> 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 I do find that I don't think cats are mentioned in the Bible whatsoever. And they mention lions, so I don't think they mention cats. <laughs> I try and steer away from red herrings of cats, <laughs> let the cats chase the red herrings. I yeah, a, group yeah. a group
3: I was in when I was uh, at university, we ended up having to have a tangent box <laughs> where whoever introduced the, the tangent that took us off somewhere random for 20 minutes has oh, to put brilliant. a pound into the tangent box. Yeah
0: um i suppose one of the other benefits of using um lots of different techniques in bible study is that it keeps it um it keeps it feeling fresh and different each time that if there are if there are some people who um prefer a, a just to look at the bible there might be some people who quite like to look at another book or a, a dvd thing it keeps it accessible uh mm. for absolutely everyone um but we're going to move on now um and on to our final topic which is harvest Um, So, um, we'll talk about it in a broader sense in a minute, but Stephen, if I come to you first, um, how are we celebrating harvest at Christchurch this year, and why is it important to celebrate harvest?
2: Yeah, well, harvest, uh, I suppose, uh, kicks off on Friday, 2.30 or 2 o'clock, with the school service, which is always wonderful. Uh, The whole of Christchurch school comes in. It's the only time they come in in an afternoon, as opposed to first thing in the morning, which they do at Christmas and Easter and the end of the school year. Uh, And we have a wonderful harvest celebration. And then on Sunday, we've got a a United service at 10 o'clock, so not 9.30 or 11, but 10 o'clock on Sunday, uh, followed by entertainment. And uh, the children are involved in various different bits of entertainment, including making harvest boxes for harvest gifts to go in, while um, the adults having a quiz uh, in church, And, and then we're having a shared lunch all together. And harvest is a really important uh, time for thanking God for all of his provision, most obviously his food, uh, the food that he supplies us with, but really the, you know, the whole of creation and the goodness of it. Um, and a time to be together and um, share fellowship. And we've got a particular emphasis at Christchurch at the moment on trying to bring the five strands yeah. of Christchurch together. So. The nine thirty community, the eleven o'clock community, the six thirty community, Grapevine, uh, our lunch club, and also our youth uh, groups. And this year at Harvest, um, there is a particular effort to bring those five strands together, particularly yeah, by using was, the youth.
3: I think it was Anna's idea that uh, yeah. you know it, um, for young people that are used to coming down on a Tuesday to play football or on a Wednesday night to um, watch movies or paint nails or do whatever the yeah. <laughs> girls are doing. Um, it's a tiny bit of a stretch or a bit of a jump to, to say, come to a church service on a on, uh, this Sunday because we're all united together. And yep. um, and for some, that's worked in the past, actually, and, and that's been fine. But uh, Anna came up with the idea that actually, what if um, the girls were going to come along, and I think some of the boys are as well, um, to help serve the children, the younger children. Um, uh, and, and in that time that we've traditionally in the past had some form of entertainment the entertainment this year is going to be um some of our young people helping to do the crafts or mm. helping to run um parachute games there's a couple of the yeah. girls who work in nurseries and mm-hmm. they're they're so going
2: to be chucking them off the roof of the church attached to with a, par- a parachute yeah, yeah that's with it's great with a <laughs> shopping bag <laughs> <laughs> no, no 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 um
3: uh, I don't know whether it's upstairs in the parish halls or in the garden or I'm not... It's I'm in not the scrambler's room. It's in it the scrambler's, scrambler's room, room yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so that should be really good fun. But I'm, I'm really excited then to have the young people, you yep. know, uh, there and, and seeing it's that they're their part investment. of something much yep. bigger and to see the, the, the people that serve them so much, you know, them having an opportunity to serve back. Um, yep. But, yeah, to see... I think, I think for a lot of young people... Um, the idea that, that they are part of something bigger is actually really attractive. And the mm. idea that the, the kind of intergenerational um, yep. aspect of church is something that for a lot of young people they're not used to. And, and I've only ever had positive experience of. Mm. So, yeah, we're really excited to, to have Harvest a little bit different this yep. year and to have mm. so many of the young people there. And having
2: done that, it would be lovely then to wel- them welcome them into a lunch. Yes. yes. Which we all share together. And, and that is a truly wonderful occasion when you're in that lounge... And you see 9:30 people, 11 o'clock people, 6:30 people. Great this year. Hopefully, lots of the young people as well from the youth groups. Uh, it is um, distinctively Christian. Yeah. Mm. When you see a whole load of people who probably wouldn't really have much to do with each other in the yeah. outside world being there all together, I think that display that displays God's reality more strongly than anything else, which is, you know, what the Bible does say. Mm. Yeah. So, um, so it's a very important occasion. And I think the whole Um, The whole importance of coming together to celebrate the things that God has given us that we all have in common, Uh, you know, most obviously food and sharing it together, uh, particularly lends itself to expressing our unity.
3: Yeah. yeah so i think we're on sticker duty again this year mm-hmm. yep. yeah that
2: yeah as so people come in you give them a sticker for yeah. you know, what they belong to so
0: everybody's clearly labeled <laughs> everyone's labeled <laughs> yeah
3: church is a place where we label people yeah.
2: That's That's right, yeah. but,
3: but no i think that that was a really we nice literally label people <laughs> as they come <laughs> <in>. <laughs> no that was a really nice touch i think to be able to see um as you looked around the room yes as you yeah. said uh, you know a huge range of different ages and you know people from all sorts of different backgrounds but also just to say, you know, I belong to this community. I'm yep. part of this one, but yet we're all one was really great. So if you're listening to this before Sunday, don't be too gruff with us, if Anna and I try to label you. Yeah. Uh, do you get any negative
2: reaction in when you slap a label on someone? <laughs>
3: Not so much. There, w- th- there was, uh, yeah, no, there was plenty. Do you people do it a
2: different gender? You know, does Anna stick labels on the women and oh, you stick no, them on p- the men? P- give p- <laughs> <laughs> own, we, get, we give people their own. We give people their own But No,
3: it was funny. There was quite a number of people who, like, while we were labeling, given talking to someone, were trying to sneak round the back and slip mm-hmm. on in without a
1: label and it <laughs> be uh, There are others yeah.
0: who, who it was almost a, a competition to see how many different categories they. Come under. There were a few. Yeah, you see, I, I don't get base. all of them. I
1: don't think I get four,
2: but them. I don't get youth, you see.
0: Rod and Jen had quite a lot last year. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. you see, people who help out with the yeah, high
0: yeah. Get youth I think Carolyn actually,
3: because she yeah. did um, yeah. go in yes, deeper Caroline as well, had, had youth yeah. yeah. as yeah. well. So yeah. yeah. Mm, no, there's so quite a few people with a number of them. I think I only get i want to get three it's like like wearing medals isn't
0: it yeah Yeah. so (laughs) next year if you want to have the full set of stickers you've got 12 months notice to start volunteering (laughs) maybe maybe next year we'll
3: embroider badges yeah maybe
0: yeah yes for the best people we can be like guides (laughs) or something um we, we are just about out of time now um but thank you very much for joining us anita Um, and uh, that's all we've got time for this month on Look Who's Talking. Do remember that for more information about Christchurch, you can visit our website, ccnm.org. We're also on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christchurch New Molden, and you can follow us on Twitter on at ccnmnews. We have also just launched Church App, um, which can be downloaded from the App Store, and you can create an account and sign in, Um, or you can contact the parish office, um, and we will email you an invitation. (laughs)